0: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Look in your home. Look in your office. Look in your home office. Everywhere you turn, there's so much smart. At Capella University,
1: we think education should be smart too. Our game-changing FlexPath format puts you in
0: control of your master's degree, so you can learn how, when, and where you want. Smart, huh? Yeah, we think so, too. So if you want to take the next step in your career, make Capella your first step. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter.
1: Hey, it's Jay Zawoski. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. I'll be right with you with the new episode in a matter of moments. But first, I want to let you know about my new Blackhawks book coming out on November 10th. It's called The Big 50, The Men in Moments That Made the Chicago Blackhawks, published by Triumph Books. The foreword is written by two-time Stanley Cup champion David Boland. If you're interested in ordering my book, and I would greatly appreciate it if you did, head to bookshop.org or bookiesbookstores.com to support great independent booksellers if you're more of an amazon kind of a person you can get it there too or any major book retailer the name of the book the big 50 the men and moments that made the chicago blackhawks by jay Zawaski, that's me coming out november 10th from triumph books
0: the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports Mariska's and Crest Hill Dr. Squatch Soap Company and by Fry the Coop Here are your hosts NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, boys and girls, to another edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, coming to you live, as always, from Bourbon, Illinois, and I'm joined by Homewood's Pride and Joy. Jay Zawoski, he's from 670 The Score, he's from the I'm Fat podcast, and he has a brand new book coming out this year that you better darn well pick up if you're a Blackhawks fan. Jay Zawoski, you're a lot of things. I'm going to start calling you the Leonardo da Vinci of hockey podcastery. How's it going today?
1: Wow, that is quite an intro. You always have a a new and unique intro for me, and uh, I'll take that. I'd rather be Leonardo DiCaprio than Leonardo da Vinci, but I'll take it. I'll take it. I appreciate that. I'm doing great. Uh, we've got a ton to get to. I know people have sort of been chomping at the bit to hear what we have to say about everything that's been going on over the last few days in Blackhawks land. And we're going to get to it uh, real quick. I want to tell you about a few things. You can email us madhousepod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at MadhousePod. We're on Patreon at MadhousePod. We have madhousepod.com. And what am I missing? Facebook is facebook.com slash and on Instagram, madhouse underscore pod. So we've got a lot to get to, a lot to get to. It's not going to be the most joyous podcast in the world because the news is not great for Hawks fans, no matter how you chop it up and no matter what your perspective is. It's been kind of a crappy couple days. So we're going to start off real quick, acknowledging a couple things, okay? The Blackhawks have acquired some new players. We're going to get into how and get into why, but I just want to tell you, Nikita Zadorov is a Blackhawks defenseman now from Colorado. I think a lot of Hawks fans are going to like him because he's big and he's physical, and it's something the Hawks have not had in a long time. They also signed on uh, Monday Matthias Janmark from Dallas. He is a two-way defensive forward who will be very helpful on the penalty kill. There goes the happy happy thoughts of this podcast, and now we need to really get into everything uh, that unfolded from... Corey Crawford not being offered a contract to announcing they're going to go young and goal, then making all kinds of wacky moves over the weekend. James, where do you want to start? Because really, we can start anywhere.
0: Well, I think that the logical place to start really is going to be, by the way, I've spent the last couple of days in the Great Smoky Mountains in Tennessee. So it's like I went into the mountains with one reality and then came out with something completely different on the way out. So I feel like it's a great place to start is going to be with Corey Crawford, obviously not being offered a contract by the Blackhawks, the team indicating that they're looking to allow their younger players like Kevin Lankan in. Colin Delia, Malcolm Subban, try to compete for that role rather than bringing in a veteran guy to compete for that. And so that was kind of the – that was the tone setter, we thought, right? Like coming out of the NHL draft, that was what was going to set the tone was that Corey Crawford was going to be let go. They were going to bring in the youth movement, was going to start. And then the rest of the moves started to happen. So I think the first thing we need to do is – Evaluate the Crawford deal in the context of what it's going to mean for the rest of the roster. So I'm, a, I'm perfectly fine if the Blackhawks really are serious about doing the youth thing at goaltender and trying to invest their precious salary cap capital in a flat cap era. If they want to invest that money in other things and kind of allow that goaltending competition to kind of play itself out and try to strengthen your defense enough to give those guys for support, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, I know that a lot of people wanted the Blackhawks to go out and get another veteran goaltender. They still theoretically can if they really want to, but obviously options have dwindled very quickly, and it definitely does look like the Blackhawks are going to be kind of content allowing those guys to kind of, you know, battle it out. But I also think that that then, you know, every other domino that falls after that should go with that theory and I think that maybe what we can do, Jay, is like kind of touch on the Crawford thing, but then we can discuss why the Brandon Saad deal is almost like the complete antithesis and the complete opposite of what that Crawford move was kind of designed to imply about this team.
1: That's a good place to start. And I'm with you. If they want to go young and goal and on the team, I'm all for it. I think that it is, it's probably past time for the Blackhawks to consider doing as much of a rebuild as they can. Taves and Kane are unmovable. Brent Seabrook is unmovable. Duncan Keith is virtually unmovable, although I do think you could find someone to take him for a while. Uh, if you ate some of the salary and maybe gave up a little bit of a sweetener for someone to take that 37-year-old defenseman who could help them in a playoff run, I think you could move him if you wanted to. So fine, if you're, if you're going to go young and give these young players a chance to shine, cool, do it, right? But aside from the goalies, there's no other evidence that this team is actually going to go young, right? There is none. You traded for Nikita Zadarov, who is 25. You signed Matthias Janmark, who's, what, 27. Mm-hmm. These are not guys who are... First of all, they're not long-term guys. Second of all, they're not going to make your team significantly better or significantly worse. And I get you don't want to rush... Like, I think I got to point the thumb on this a little bit. I have already deemed Ian Mitchell one of the Hawks' best four defensemen. I've never seen the kid play outside of a preseason game, and it's dangerous to say this defenseman's ready and deserves a spot. So I get that. You don't want to guarantee a defenseman a spot. There are some people in the organization, actually, that think that the fact that John McDonough, being the factor he was in rushing Adam Boquist to the NHL, could stunt his long-term development a little bit. He ha- didn't have the time to develop in Rockford. He had to do it in the NHL level, and like we talked about with Henry Yokoharu, Guys can sort of flounder that way, but there's no evidence aside from we're going to let these three unproven goalies battle it out for the two goalie jobs. That's the only evidence of an actual rebuild. Nothing else here shows that. And if you're going to trade Brandon Saad, which again, I'm on board with, you don't bring back a 25 year old defenseman who's already pretty much reached a ceiling with no Mm -hmm. real room for growth. You bring back a prospect or you bring back draft picks. I don't mind Zadorov. I think he's going to be helpful. I think he's going to bring an element they don't have. But w- ultimately, what does it accomplish? And this goes back to our last full-length podcast. What is the plan? What's the plan?
0: It, may I offer my hypothesis on what the plan is? Sure. He's going to try to speak the language of a rebuild by saying the things that he said about the Corey Crawford departure and what he's going to do in goal. This is pretty obviously a retool. This is not a rebuild. He, His intention right now is to get the Blackhawks back into contention for a playoff spot, probably a wild card spot in that 6-7-8 range in the postseason, and that's going to be good enough for him right now while he kind of waits out the clock on the contracts of guys like Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves and Duncan Keith, who in all likelihood he's not going to be able to move their contracts. Frankly, if he had difficulty moving an expiring contract a contract like Brandon Saad who's still a very useful NHL player, if he's going to have trouble moving that kind of a deal with only 1 year left on it, then can you imagine the Herculean lift it would take to move one of those other deals? It kind of like just defies, you know, belief, honestly. And if that's going to be the case, then clearly what Stan Bowman is looking to do here is he's not looking He's not looking at a complete teardown. What he's looking at is running out the clock on those contracts that are expiring in three seasons. So what he wants to try to do is try to compete within the next three years. And the best way that he, I guess, has determined that he's going to do this is to A, ignore what he said about the Blackhawks trying to get faster. Remember three years ago when they drafted Henry Yokoharu, the thing that Stan Bowman kept talking about was that he wanted this team to get faster. And what he's done instead with this free agency class. And with these trades specifically is he's trying to add a physical element to the game. Clearly by adding Zadorov, he's clearly trying to improve this team's penalty killing and forward defense by adding Jan Mark. I mean, those, those moves to me scream a change in identity of the current NHL roster much more loudly than they would potentially scream rebuild. I mean, look at it this way too. Like you said, didn't get a single draft pick for Saad, didn't get a young prospect for Saad. I think if he had wanted those two specific things, he would have been better off waiting until the NHL trade deadline to try to get them because I think he would have gotten them. Instead, what he wants is he wants to try to reshape this defense into a bit more of a physical thing. I'm guessing that Zadorov is probably looked at as a guy who he's going to be able to put next to Adam Boquist, potentially just because of like his defensive responsibility and all that stuff, give Adam Boquist a little bit more room to rove. That to me is a next year move. That is not a move that is supposed to benefit this team in the next two to three years. Like you or in the next three years, I should say, like you said, Jay, but then again, this goes against everything that Bowman said about the team getting younger and faster. And it goes against everything that he said about Corey Crawford. So to me, he's speaking the language of rebuild while performing the actions of a retool. And, I don't know if it's going to be good enough. Like that's I think we can get into a really lengthy discussion about whether adding Zadorov to your off to your defense, excuse me, is that really going to be enough to kind of bolster that area of the ice so that the young guys in goal aren't just peppered with shots all day. I think it's pretty obvious to me the answer is no, but Jay, please disabuse me of that notion if you need to.
1: No, he's not a guy who's going to c- go out there and suppress a lot of shots. He's not a shutdown defenseman. He's a defensive defenseman because he doesn't score and he plays physical, but he's not a shutdown guy by any means. A- and look, again, I want to make it clear, I'm not against Zadorov. The concept of it is fine. 25 year olds has got some NHL experience, physical, bring something you don't have, maybe a little change of scenery can help him out. You can convince me of all those things, but a lot of people have pointed out, like, well, the, you know, you sign Yanmark and you sign Z- and you and you trade for Zadorov, and now you've got some pieces at the deadline. You already had one And Brandon Saad, who's <laughs> going to bring you, I would think, Brandon Saad's going to bring you more than either of those guys are at the trade deadline. Maybe they each bring you a pick. Maybe Saad, I think you can get something back for his teams. Are like, we need a power forward for the playoffs. How about this guy, number 20 with two Stanley Cups? What a sad, 26, 27 years old, coming off a 21-goal season and a shortened season. That's the guy. And I was told by a source in the organization that they had a lot of trouble moving Brandon Saad. Fine, then wait. Wait until there's a market for him. There's no need to do it right now. Are they better off with Brandon Saad or Matthias Janmark? They're better off with Saad. Right, clearly, and until we see, we got to be fair here. Until we see how the roster shapes up, I know it's not done. Free agency started three days ago, so there could be other things to come. There could be mo- trades being made, etc. It just, it just right now, like we said two weeks ago, I just don't see the path. You had two all-star goalies on your team last year, and you were not sniffing a playoff, a playoff spot until there was a, a freaking pandemic, right? right. And now you're going to go with maybe Malcolm Subban and Calendelia and Kevin Lankinen, who we don't really know about any of those guys. We don't know what. All I know is Malcolm Subban was a first-round pick, so maybe he'll turn out to be pretty good. That's all I got, man. And that, to me, is not a plan. Right. It's just not. That's what frustrates me. And meanwhile, one of the young players who seems like a part of the future, 23-year-old Dylan Strom, remains unsigned. So what's They don't the seem to be there? in much
0: of a rush to do anything about him since he's not arbitration eligible. They seem to be willing to just kind of let this, I would say, sit, but I think a more accurate word would probably be fester. I'm sure Dylan Strom isn't exactly thrilled with how this is playing out right now.
1: No, he, I, he can't be, and, and it's frustrating. Um, and look, I know Stan Bowman knows ultimately if Strom will be there or not, but from the outside looking in, it just looks very unorganized, uh, I I get the email that Sod's traded. I'm like, all right, wow, the the rebuild's underway. Then I click through. It's like, what, what, what is this? Like, what, what does this accomplish? That that's just kind of my question: is what are these moves accomplishing for the team? Today, what? the Hawks God, met sorry. the media. Zadorov and uh, and Yanmark and everybody else met the media. Stan Bowman wasn't there, not answering questions. Like, I just I just need to understand what's going on meanwhile you've got Corey Crawford saying he was devastated and not told you've got Brandon Sod sort of taking shots like it's happy to be happy to be going to a team where they're actually trying to win this is a mess right now and we're going to get into the thing Mark Lazarus wrote obviously um, in a little bit here talking about the veterans feeling kind of pissed about the way things are going mm-hmm. the other thing is before we get to that we've been talking all off season about Ian Mitchell getting a look you've got six defensemen blocking his way. Keith, DeHaan, Murphy, Zadorov, Boquist, which is fine, and Brent Seabrook. There's your top six if those guys are healthy. So is another move coming? Maybe. That wouldn't shock me. But if all you can get is an unsigned restricted free agent for Brandon Saad, what are you going to get for Calvin DeHaan?
0: Not much. And you're going to have to retain salary, too.
1: Right. Who's going to take Calvin DeHaan with a... A double bum shoulder, uh, for four and a half million, right? Maybe you move Connor Murphy, but that's the one young defenseman, youngish defenseman on the roster that you really like, that can play defense. So you can't really trade Connor Murphy. It's just, dude, it just seems so out of whack right now. And maybe the picture becomes clearer in a couple days, a couple weeks, whatever. But right. right now, I just, I just can't see what this team's going to accomplish aside from a lottery pick. And hey, maybe that's the plan.
0: I I think to me like that like I said, I still think that Stan is looking at this as a retool rather than a rebuild. I don't really care what he says. That those are what his actions are screaming to me, even if that is the motivation, which obviously I would get. I mean, Stan clearly wants to maximize whatever he's got left out of his big guys and he's trying to, you know, reshape the roster a little bit to try to make them more competitive, whatever. I'll See I'll seed him all of that. The fact is this trade is a loss. I if Zadorov ends up being really good, that's great. The fact of the matter remains you got no draft pick for Sod, no prospect for Sod. You dealt him to a division rival. You're supposed to get premium on that. You're making another team in your division better. And not only did they not get a premium for him in this trade, but they also did the abs of solid and they retained salary on it too. There is no world in which that can be considered a win for the Blackhawks. And I'm tired of Stan Bowman, whether it's handing out no trade clauses like they're candy or retaining salary or doing any of the little things that he always seems to like to do in these trades. I'm getting so sick of seeing it every single time he does anything. And this is just yet another example of him, frankly, acting like he was over the barrel when he realistically wasn't. He had leverage in this situation, and I don't care if Saad was like, I will only accept a trade to these teams. You know what? Then you're not getting traded. Yeah. Like, that to me, all of that is just like Stan panicked and made a move because he felt like he needed to do something to shake things up or whatever. And that's not something a general manager should be doing, whether he's trying to rebuild or retool. Stan frankly to me, stands in over his head. I'm just going to say it.
1: Hey, last I feel time, like he
0: doesn't know what to do right now.
1: Last time this team was in need of a shakeup and Stan Bowman executed it, he traded Artemi Panarin and Nicholas Johnson.
0: And look where that got him.
1: Right. And now you have to show for Artemi Panarin, Nikita Zadorov. That's what it. What a move. That's what you have to show for Artemi Panarin. And I know it's, it's not really fair to do that, but look, Sad this time around... Sod was supposed to be the guy you can trade without another team taking advantage of you. You can't do it with Seabrook. You can't do it with Keith. You can't do it with Kane or Taves. Any of those guys you trade, you're going to have to. And even like beyond that, Andrew Shaw, Kelvin DeHaan, like we just mentioned, any of those moves you're going to have to make, you're going to have to give the other team some consideration. Sod was supposed to be the one you didn't have to do that for, and he absolutely did it. So now what? Now if you do try to move some of these pieces, people are like. Well, maybe you could trade Patrick Kane to Buffalo. Maybe, but what are you going to get for him? I I have no faith that Stan Bowman's going to win a trade, and that's the thing. And here's the other part of this that's been bothering me. I've been thinking about this today. Stan Bowman is not operating like a GM whose job is on the line. He's not operating like a guy who's going to have to prove to a new team president he knows what the hell he's doing. Anyone on the outside looking in at the Blackhawks right now is like, what are they doing? What the Why hell don't the Blackhawks
0: have a new team president yet? Let's start with that.
1: Well, that's a whole other thing. I mean, There
0: is a serious leadership vacuum on this team right now, and Stan Bowman's essentially acting with impunity. Are they just going to continue to proceed like this, or are they just not going to bring in a president? Is Stan going to be able to make all of these calls? Because if he is, boy, howdy, we could be in for some really – painful years if that's the case in fairness
1: it's only been six months since they fired john mcdonough and they've had a global pandemic where everyone's stuck at home and available to be interviewed and talk
0: so and literally the league was on pause for four months and they could have talked to whoever they wanted
1: meanwhile to this day it has not been determined or expressed by the organization whether or not this new president is going to be a hockey person or or a marketing person? Are they bringing in another John McDonough? Or are they bringing in a hockey czar overseer? We don't even know what they're looking for, let alone who it's going to be. Th- this organization right now is operating at Bill Wirtz, Bob Pulfordian levels. I'm sorry. I hate to say it. I hate to say it, but you're looking at pissed off veterans. You're looking at, uh, you're talking about band aids on a gushing you know a shrapnel wound it's just not none of these things that are being done are improving the team and the one piece you had in Brandon Sod that you could have used to fix this thing up a little bit maybe get even a pick you couldn't tell me you couldn't get a third round pick or a second round pick for Brandon Sod, and maybe that pick pans out no you go get Nikita Zadorov. okay fine you got your big physical defenseman now but what does it accomplish you lose him after this year you trade him at the deadline then you let Brandon Sodwalk or Artemi Panarin however you want to look at it for nothing nothing even if you lock Zadorov up for 10 more years it's not enough for Artemi Panarin I'm sorry it's just not oh we're way behind I got to get in some sponsor reads here James real quick I uh, want to thank our friends over at Triple Threat Sports, triplethreatsports.com. Our merch shop is in the final stages of being approved. I've seen it. It looks great. The products look great. It's ready to go. We just got to get the website finalized and it should be ready by the end of this week. Can't wait for that. But for all your team outfitting needs, call Chris 708-478-6090. And I want to mention Dr. Squatch real quick here because our promo code has changed. It is now MADHOUSE20. So if you want to go to drsquatch.com and save on your soap, save on your hair care products, use that code madhouse20. There is a new promotional soap coming out, Drunken Pumpkin. I just ordered three bricks for myself, so I can try them out and give them a full review here on the podcast. But my favorite remains, the cool, fresh aloe. Every time I use it, my basement smells phenomenal, and I smell phenomenal, quite frankly. Head to drsquatch.com, take that Squatch quiz on the top right corner of the page, They'll sort of direct you in what products will work best for you. Invest in yourself, invest in your skin and your hair, become a member of Squatch Nation, DrSquatch.com, promo code MADHOUSE20 to save 20% on your order and help the podcast at the same time. And so many of you have done it and joined Squatch Nation. We appreciate it. Okay, back to hockey stress.
0: (sighs) Back to hockey stress. Should we... uh... I don't know, should we talk about something positive right now? Because something positive has come out of all of this madness and also happened while I was uh, in the mountains, I think.
1: By all means, I'm ready for happiness.
0: Dominic yeah, two-year deal, $3.7 million cap it. I think under the circumstances and the current uh, state of the NHL, I like that deal a lot and I also think that it's very indicative of the way a lot of teams are going to be operating. I think we've seen a lot of two-year type deals going on right now because of the flat cap and revenue projections and all that and I was frankly wondering if Kubalik would get a decent amount more than 3.7 million a season. I will happily take that deal for him. Oh,
1: we were talking this season about if it's under 5 we'd be happy. So I'm thrilled with 3.7. The other good news is he will remain a restricted free agent after that deal expires. So if the Hawks want to sign him, they will have every right to. He would be arbitration eligible. So if they can't work out a deal, he could take them to arbitration, and then that number would be determined for the Hawks. But it's pretty rare they get to that spot. Now, Dylan Strom, as we mentioned on the last podcast, is not arbitration eligible right now. That's why if the Hawks wanted to, they could pay him, what, like 875000 to yeah. play, but they're probably going to try to work out some sort of bridge deal. I would think maybe I think two point nine is what I saw rumored for Strom. I'd be very happy with that. I'd be. Oh, on a one, a one year 2. deal 9. or a two. I'm a two, sorry,
0: I didn't see that report.
1: I, I th- it would be a two year deal at two point nine.
0: I I think I'd be fine with that. I think that that like you said gives them more opportunity to evaluate Strom and whether or not what we saw from him in his first season with the Blackhawks is the realistic expectation for him moving forward, or if he's going to be more like the player that we saw last season. And I don't think that $2.9 million is overly burdensome in this era of salary cap hockey, especially when you're going to be paying Alex Dobryn get $6 million a season starting in the coming year. Like, I think that Two point nine, I could I could stomach that. Not that I am a huge proponent of bringing Dylan Strome back, but two point nine million, you could probably convince me is maybe worth a shot on it. I don't know.
1: I think so. It's you know, everything has to sort of be looked at too. Like right now, as it stands, the Hawks have six point one six three million of cap space. Um, that's with Brent Seabrook and Andrew Shaw on injured reserve. Um, and why the
0: hell didn't they buy out Zach Smith? Because
1: he's hurt and you can't.
0: Ah. Stupid NHL rules.
1: So, look, you got nothing for Andrew for uh, Brandon Saad. Zach Smith makes $3.25 million, and he's hurt. Mm. That's a guy that maybe at the deadline you're able to move because he's unrestricted. Right. But coming off a big injury, a back injury, towards the end of his career at 32, ugh, you're not going to be able to get much for him either. And I know that was part of the sort of swallow hard, get rid of Artem deal that the Hawks had to make to get you know to get some money freed up but that that's the thing with Bowman man these extra how how many years have we talked about this James the extra million the extra year the no movement clause these little extra considerations he gives these players get him in so much trouble mm-hmm. so much trouble and look like Oli Mata, good example Calvin Dehan good example like at the time like all right signings are not bad but mm, you know that that extra 500K could be costly down the road, and it makes it kind of unmovable.
0: To be fair, they traded for DeHaan and Mata.
1: Uh, yes, you're right about that. Correct, my bad. Um, but still, the point is you're ta- you're bringing in these contracts that are eh, maybe a little richer that you'd li- than you'd like, and other teams are happy to move them out. And then a year later, you're looking to get out from under them. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know, man. It's just it's just tough to see a plan for it. All right, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a quick time out? We'll come back and we will dive into the other big part of this story the blackhawks veterans uh specifically jonathan taves really letting loose to the athletics mark lazarus uh this weekend lots of big big stories coming out of that and we'll talk about the impact of those comments and those thoughts from the blackhawks core when we come back on the madhouse chicago hockey podcast
0: at acuity insurance we believe the things you do for your business are heroic and you deserve someone equally heroic to protect them we put our all into covering your business so you can focus on the things you love most. That's the power of heart. Acuity Insurance, wholeheartedly for you. London Stock Exchange Group is here to be your essential global markets infrastructure and data partner, where Open isn't just a platform, but a philosophy, giving you the freedom to make your mark in the world. LSEG, Open makes more possible.
1: Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawoski here in Homewood. James out there in A. Someday, James and I will be able to see each other again. <sighs> anyway, I want to tell you about our friends at Fry the Coop, Tinley Park, Prospect Heights. They're coming soon to you at those locations. They've got one in Westtown, Oaklawn. They're everywhere. You go to FrytheCoop.com, look up their locations, and you'll have one near you, guaranteed. Just talk to my guy, Rick Camp, On the I'm Fat podcast, new episode dropped today. He had it delivered to him the other day, then got stuck in a stairwell because the elevator broke. Good story from Rick Camp if you want to check that out. But what is Fry the Coop? If you haven't had it yet, it's the best hot chicken you'll ever have. And I am a connoisseur of Nashville hot chicken. As a fat guy, I can tell you uh, that Fry the Coop is on par with all the greats in Nashville they've got the hot chicken tenders they've got the donut chicken sandwich yes you heard that correct it's a hot chicken sandwich served on a donut it's delicious they've got the um, I mean everything there's terrific the seasoned fries the pimento mac and cheese if you love spicy food Fry the Coop is the place for you go to FrytheCoop.com come get your happiness at Fry the Coop they've got pickup windows so you can just order online show up say your name they hand you the bag and you're done beautiful really a safe process they've they've been killing it during covid very few businesses you see expanding during a pandemic that's exactly what's happening to fry the coop and that speaks to their quality and the commitment to their customers so go to frythecoop.com check out their menu and place your order today all right james this weekend mark lazarus our friend from the athletic uh spoke to blackhawks captain jonathan taves after the brandon sod trade was made and El Capitan was none too pleased about uh, what's happening with the direction of the Blackhawks.
0: Oh, well, yeah, displeased is definitely one way to put it. Um, a source also told Mark Lazarus that the core guys on the team, um, the like kind of the big guys like Keith, Seabrook, Kane, and Taves, they're, they are, and I quote, they're pissed. The core guys have had enough is what that source told Mark Lazarus. And then Laz also talked to Jonathan Taves and this is what Johnny had to say. The expectations for the other leaders on this team and myself is to come ready to training camp every year to be a playoff team. We prepare ourselves to win a cup for our fans. I've never been told that we were going through a rebuild. There is, That has never been communicated to me for that matter. A lot of this comes as a shock because it's a completely different direction than we expected. So you've got the captain of your hockey team who's been here, what, Jay? He's entering his 13th NHL season, I believe it is. That sounds right. And he's going, he's going into this not knowing what the Blackhawks are doing. Frankly, you and I not knowing what they're doing is one thing because I'm sure there's some misdirection involved. You don't want every team kind of knowing exactly what your plans are, blah, blah, blah. If the face of your hockey team or one of the two faces of your hockey team is that much in the dark about what you're doing, Probably not a good look and probably indicative of some of the communication issues that we've heard kind of whispered about when it comes to Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook potentially not getting along with Jeremy Colleton because they don't exactly know what his kind of machinations and what his moves are all about. It seems like that problem is a lot bigger than just Jeremy Colleton, if that's really the case where you didn't even tell Jonathan Taves that you're planning to kind of start to, you know, potentially blow some of this up.
1: Yes. um, Not a good thing at all. And the communication to me, that's the key. Okay. Now, look, I ran a poll on the Madhouse podcast, Twitter account, asking a very simple question. I kept it simple for a reason. Are you on board with a Blackhawks rebuild? And 70% of you said yes. Okay. So here's, here's, here's my point in asking that question. Sam Bowman, if he goes to those players and says, I would like your thoughts on me rebuilding do you think this is something we should do? None of them are going to say yes. Not a single one of them. So the difference is he doesn't need to ask permission. But I think when you look at what this core has accomplished, you owe it to those guys at least to say, look, we've tried for the last three or four years to bring in some support to bring in some help for you guys. And look, it's not on the, on them. I think for the most part, Kane, Taves, and Keith have all performed very well, right? I have no beef about how they've played at all, okay? But the, the fact remains, they've brought in some players to try to help this thing along. They brought in Robin Leonard. So you had, for the most of the season, two all-star level goalies, and it hasn't worked. I think what Stan Bowman should have done is said, look, I know you don't want to hear this, but our best path forward is to do a bit of a rebuild and go young here for a couple years and see what we got. In the meantime, we'll get some better draft picks and be able to build the team up more quickly that way. This is what I'm doing. OK, that's different from I'm not saying a word and I'm trading all your buddies and you're just going to deal with it. Right. right. There's a way to go about it. And I think Kane, Taves and Keith specifically have earned enough to at least be told, hey, look, I didn't want it to come to this, but it's come to this. And look, you've got the built-in excuse of the pandemic, too. We don't have the money we thought we were going to, so plans change. Expect in the next couple days some veteran guys to get moved out. We're sorry, but it's just something that we wanted to let you know about as the core pillars of this organization, as the pillars of this franchise, of this friggin' century, you should be (laughs) let know about how these things are going. And I think that's fair, and I think... Taves and Kane and all those guys who are pissed they might still be pissed but at least they'd understand and at least they wouldn't feel blindsided I think that's important and that's to me that's the my biggest disconnect with Bowman is he's such a like automaton like I am the GM of the Blackhawks I my job is to you've got to remember the personalities here those things matter and I think he owed it to those guys to at least let them in a little bit and say just so you know It might not be the most pleasant offseason. I think that's fair. I think that's a fair expectation.
0: See, to me, I feel like this this could have potentially longer-term ramifications too because if you're Stan Bowman and you are wanting to go in this direction, wouldn't it behoove – you to be honest and upfront with Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane and Duncan Keith on the chance that you're going to have to ask them to waive their no movement clause to facilitate a deal in coming years. Like, don't you think that like they're going to want to potentially get out of here? If you're really serious about moving forward with this rebuild, shouldn't you give them a heads up for that rather than kind of blindsiding them with this stuff? Like you said, Jay, this is all about relationships and this is not about asking for permission. It's about being open and transparent with those guys who have meant so much to your organization and none of whom you drafted, by the way. So it's not like it's like, oh, we've been on this crazy ride together. It's like, yeah, my predecessor brought you guys in. It just it gives off such a nasty vibe. And if Jonathan Taves and those guys are pissed off about this, and there's a really good reason because they, again, like you said, shouldn't be asked for permission. Be damn well better tell them what you're doing. And this could have – Big-time ramifications later if you're, like, trying to kind of maneuver around and trying to negotiate some things and those guys end up throwing up roadblocks because they don't want to go to X team. Like, there, that could have big-time ramifications for the Blackhawks and could really impact what they could potentially get back in a return and who they're going to be able to deal with if they decide to move on from one of those three guys.
1: Well, I've seen – it's a good point. Very valid. And I, I hadn't really looked at it that way um of them saying like no you want to move me screw you I got a no movement clause I'm here to stay I saw some f- mostly fans speculating that maybe he's trying to piss these guys off so they accept a trade maybe if he makes Duncan Keith mad enough he can trade Duncan Keith maybe if he makes and T- Taves and Kane I don't see that happening with but maybe with Seabrook if he gets pissed off enough he'll ap- approve a trade somewhere and he can sort of move on with this thing you know, as he sees, like, we know Patrick Kane likes Jeremy Calton. That's a given. He's one of the guys that does actually like the way Calton sees hockey. Taves is more like, eh, <laughs> Keith, not a fan. Seabrook, not a fan. So maybe this method of, oh, really? The course is pissed off? Well, maybe you guys want to go play somewhere else. Hmm? What do you think about that? Would you be willing to accept a trade? Maybe that's what Stan's doing. I hope and, that's and wouldn't not those,
0: it. Wouldn't those whispers get around the rest of the league if that's how he's actually operating? And wouldn't that, like kind of dissuade people from coming to Chicago and kind of undermine the whole damn culture that you've set up here
1: that to me is so important because part of the thing that has made the Blackhawks the destination for a lot of free agents has been the way they treat their players and the way you know it's a top class organization now players around the league are seeing how things are going in Chicago and they're like what the hell like look at the last few years Trade Jalmerson, trade Panarin, now you trade Saad. You don't, you know, you don't bring Drake Kajula back. And I don't think the whole league is looking at Drake Kajula's thing as like, oh my God, this organization sucks. (laughs) But you just see guys who want to be there, who are happy to play there, that give their all, that improve on your watch, and then they're just sort of dispatched. I don't know. I just, I haven't felt this bad about the Blackhawks in a really, really long time. Since before Kane and Taze were drafted, honestly. Wow. Uh, I, I just haven't I, I can't I'm trying to wrap my mind around what the plan is here like okay you know me James I'm an optimist anyone who's listened to this podcast for a long time almost to a fault where I'll try to find the positive in the direction the Hawks are going I spent a lot of my weekend I, I don't think I was standing up for Stan Bowman but I was just saying like he's not an idiot that was basically my point was he's not a complete failure idiot from day one of his job uh, and that comes off as a defense for some reason But, man, I am having trouble defending any of what they're doing. Now, again, had they just said we're going to go young, these are our goalies, we're going to let Ian Mitchell, Wyatt Kalanick, and Lucas Carlson play and maybe call some kids up, cool, let's do it. I'm ready for that, but that's not what's happening. And the other thing, which which I haven't mentioned with the goalies, is Stan Buffon. Stan Stan Buffon? I just looked at Doug Buffon's um, funeral card and said Buffon. Stan Bowman you know, talks about like, well, this is our plan at goal. Okay. Well, guess what, Stan? Three days prior, you were negotiating with Matt Murray for a deal that fell through. So three, three days before you made the Crawford news, they were negotiating with another goalie. We know they've kicked the tires on Darcy Kemper and others. So this was not the plan. Suddenly the plan changed when they saw maybe the cost of goaltending, how much it was going to you know how much they'd have to pay Matt Murray and I'm glad they didn't he got paid way too much or what the return would be to bring a goalie in in a trade but don't tell me that your plan was to go young because it wasn't that that happened in very very short order when things didn't work out with Crawford and you weren't able to make things happen that maybe you expected
0: you know what kind of you know what this reminds me of at least a little bit it reminds me of the Bears uh, getting rid of Jay Cutler bringing in Mike Glennon and then almost seemingly panicking and drafting Mitchell Trubisky. Like, the just like the chaotic nature of this. Like, I don't know if they're, like, trying to throw misdirection here or what the hell that they're doing, but it definitely seems like they're kind of ad-libbing a plan, and the players are kind of in the dark, kind of like – uh Uh, Mike Lennon was when he was at the draft party and they drafted a quarterback with the number two overall pick. (laughs) Like I I, I think Mike Lennon in that moment is exactly where a lot of the Blackhawks veterans are right now. They just, they see a front office that can't seem to decide on a direction to go. And That can't feel good as a player, man. Like, I I get it. Like, the reality of this business and the reality of the NHL is that there have to be some tough decisions made because with the salary cap, you're always going to have to try to maximize contention windows and then deal with the ramifications of that afterwards. I get all of that, but it also has to suck for those players.
1: Totally, and I get it, man. As a player, you want to win. You want to always compete, especially, look, the reason that the Hawks won all those Stanley Cups is because, Taves Kane Keith and Seabrook are that competitive they are those dudes that are going to outwork you when it comes down to it right they're gonna they're gonna win their battles in the corners they're gonna stick handle around you they're gonna finish their checks they're gonna do everything they need to do to win and that's why the Hawks won three Stanley Cups you know in in the 2010s and part of it though now is now they're stubborn and now they want to win and you you shouldn't expect them to be like cool let's lose You know, like that, that's not, that's not a realistic expectation. There's, there's part of me though. That's like, well, guess what? You're the player play and let management do what they do. And Sam Bowman said, I think it was around the deadline last year. I think it was maybe around the Leonard thing. Sam Bowman was asked about that. He's like, look, I don't come down and tell the players what they need to do. They have their job. I have mine. I don't need to advise the players on what I should do. And I believe that's fair. But again, there should have been some communication that changes were happening to your core three guys. I think those guys specifically, if we're talking about another team, if we're talking about um, the New York Islanders, like do they have to run any moves by Anders Lee? No, of course not, right? But you're talking about Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, and Duncan Keith, three guys that, that's numbers, their numbers will hang over the United Center crowd for the rest of eternity when they call it quits. Uh, those guys have earned at least a little bit of a of a heads up when something like this is coming down.
0: This is so, like, it's simultaneously, like, I want to, like, be optimistic like you, where it's like, hey, they, they at least are making a few moves here and there to save some salary cap space and potentially positioning themselves to do some things to reshape this roster. Like, I really would like to be optimistic about that. But in what way over the last couple of seasons has Stan Bowman handled the job in a way, like, in a way that would make you go, ah, I trust him on this. Like, and, and I hate to be like the Stan Bowman basher. Like, obviously, it's super easy to point to moves that he's made, like hamstringing Joel Quenville with Brandon Manning, for instance, mm-hmm. or insisting on keeping Jeremy Colleton at the helm of this team, even though I have a lot of questions about his ability to continue to coach the organization moving forward like i just there isn't a lot that bowman has done recently that fills me with faith that he's going to be able to handle whatever plan that he comes up with and i know that it's got to be a bummer for our listeners to kind of hear us like talk about all of this stuff but it's just it's the fact that it's still a flipping issue that's what's frustrating me like we've been saying for weeks now that it just doesn't seem like there's a plan in place for this organization that there isn't a direction and the fact that we're still talking about that after an nhl draft that i've seen more than a few reviews of that said the blackhawks didn't exactly help themselves in the nhl draft and then after trades and after free agency the fact that we're still talking about a lack of direction for this team stasis and staying put and being middling is death in professional sports and it seems like the blackhawks are quite content to continue to be in that spot where they're end up going to get stuck with like the ninth or 10th overall draft pick in the lottery instead of like either sucking enough to get the number one pick or actually competing for and winning Stanley Cup titles. It's just, it's really, it's a frustrating place to be. And it seems like the Blackhawks are very content to kind of remain in that zone. And I apologize to all of our listeners, but I get the sense that this is going to be kind of a recurring theme moving forward is we're going to be looking at a very middling team and not one that's going to spark a whole lot of optimism, I guess.
1: Well, let's do this. Let's, let's end the show with a little bit of optimism. Cause I do, I do still have a little bit. And when I was talking about the Hawks rebuilding before all of these things happened, you know, I was sort of right in the moments after Crawford had, had walked away and we didn't really know what was next for the team. I said, okay, I can see a rebuild working here because you're already a bit ahead of the game. You've got Brinkett, who's 22. You've got Kubelik, who's 25. You've got, you know, David Kampf is a nice player. He's 25. Kirby Doc is 19. Alex Nylander, as much as people are down on him, is still only 22. Dylan Strom is 23. Adam Boquist is 20. You've got these young players on the horizon. Pia Suter is 24. Cam Morrison, who they signed this offseason, 22. Chalupa's 22. Brandon Hagel's 22, Evan Barrett's 21. There's a lot of legit NHL prospects on the horizon. Ian Mitchell, 21, Wyatt Kelnick, 23. There is a young enough core here where if a third of these guys who are unproven work out, you're still well ahead of the curve on a rebuild. All you would need, and this is the hard part, is <laughs> the new Taves and a new Kane. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And and the way but the way you get to that is you let these young guys play and struggle, as Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook did when their careers began, playing for terrible Blackhawks teams, floundering on the ice, making mistakes, not looking, either of those guys for a long time looked like, okay, maybe bottom pair of guys, until they figured it out, until it all clicked, and when it clicked for those two, it came right with Kane and Tave's arrival, and boom, they were ready to go, then free agents were like, whoa, look at this crap. I want to be part of that, and free agent <laughs> signed, and the Stanley Cup was won three times. You've got that young core, probably a better one than Kane and Tays were injected into, right? But if you don't let them play, if you keep filling in with Zach Smiths and Matthias Janmarks and Ryan Carpenter's and guys like that, who are just veteran guys to take up space, all you're doing is stunting the development. And, I, and look, I know it's suicide to go all young. You can't call all 22-year-olds up and just have the Rockford Ice Hogs compete against the NHL. I know that's not realistic, but every position on this team that has young guys maybe ready to step up have now been blocked by veteran additions, and that to me is frustrating.
0: I thought that was supposed to make me feel better, dude. Well, but
1: the <laughs> names listed, right? And maybe I think partially, I think every everybody does this where you overrate your own prospects. I yeah. think that's a symptom of every sports fan base in the entire nation, right? But everyone agrees that Ian Mitchell is going to be a pretty solid player. But right now, he's blocked out. So for him to make the team, he's going to have to create an awkward situation for a vet where all of a sudden, Jeremy Collins is going, going to have that awkward conversation with Brent Seabrook again of, uh, hey, you're in the press box again, right? Like, right. it's causing a problem. You don't need Nikita Zadorov. You could have kept Brandon Saad. You could have given Ian Mitchell a look. And then if you need to find a defenseman in the middle of the season, you trade Brandon Saad for Nikita Zadorov. Then you do it. If Ian Mitchell's absolutely not ready. Right? But give them the chance to fail. I guess is what I'm saying.
0: I, I I get the sense that they will at some points, especially if they get off to a rough start in the new year. Like I don't think that Stan is going to be hard headed enough to say well, we're just going to keep trying this out. And if it, you know, we're going to make it work, Dagnabbit. I get the sense that what it will be is the Blackhawks will eventually give those guys a look. And maybe what he's thinking in acquiring a guy like Zdorov is that he wants to guard against what happened to Adam Boquist last season, where it looked like he was floundering a lot of the time. And maybe he just wants to give Ian Mitchell that long runway to come into the NHL and to really – not like completely obviously stop him from playing in the NHL, but to stop it from being like a world-ending potentially event if he comes in and struggles right away and there's no one else to take his place to kind of take some of that pressure off of him. Maybe that's what Stan is thinking. That's like – that's about as optimistic as I can get about it. And if he ends up pairing up with Adam Boquist and they play well and then they can get Ian Mitchell in there and he can kind of like feel his way into the NHL – I'll feel a little bit better about where that blue line is right now. But like you said, Jay, it's it's been the standing policy of this organization to seemingly block the available paths for quite a few of their young prospects. And I do think that they need to, like you said, be willing to let them make some mistakes. And hopefully the start to their season will kind of be reflective of that, and we will eventually see that. There. I tried to be optimistic. I tried to – put on my Jay Zawoski hat of sunshine.
1: <laughs> I think you did a good job there. And look, w- admittedly, it is October 12th. There's a lot of off season to go. Uh, we think the season's going to start early January. It might not. It's going to be a shortened season. Um, but again, that was sort of where my mind was like, this is a good opportunity where you don't have to worry about butts in the seats. You don't have to worry about people buying tickets and just see what happens with your young guys and go from there. But Hey, looks like that's not going to be the case. I just, let me ask you this if all if Corey Crawford was back okay if they worked out a two-year deal for Corey Crawford and then they made these moves would you feel differently about it because that would be them sort of saying all right we're going to retool gonna take another stab we're adding a defenseman we're adding a penalty killing veteran who's better than the options we have let's take one more chance with this core with Corey Crawford for two more years and see what happens i would feel better about it but to do all i'm inclined
0: this, to, i'm inclined to agree with you and like i said i think that that would be a lot more fitting of the narrative that they seem to be going with with their actions i think that that would be indicative of a retool and we probably would have reset our uh expectations accordingly
1: or even another veteran goalie right so let me ask you this if with by the time you and i talk again if the Hawks have traded for Darcy Kemper or something along those lines, right. If another veteran goalie is in the fold, does that change the conversation for you?
0: Well, then I'm curious why you went out of your way to bend over backwards to say that this is what was going to be a big competition between three young, hungry goaltenders. Like what was the point of all that charade? Was it just to try to drive down the trade price on whoever you end up going out to get like that to me would be, that's the only question I would really have in that regard. To be like, okay, fine, that's your plan, but what was with all the smoke and mirrors? Like, was that specifically designed just to lower the price? Because that also could have an adverse effect on those guys, because they could be like, oh, we were told that we were gonna have a competition for this job, and now we don't. Like that. That to me would be kind of a really it'd be a stupid thing honestly for Bowman to do because it would have a really adverse effect on three guys that you've kind of led on to believe that they were going to have a chance to earn this job
1: yeah I just I think the whole picture makes more sense with a veteran goalie in net, you know and I'm not happy about it but at least you're like okay I see the thought process to do all these bringing all these veterans with that trio and goal and look maybe they really believe that Subban or Delia or Lankinen is a number one NHL goalie. Maybe they believe that. I And th- they would know better than me because they've got eyes on them all the time. But I just... It's hard for me to say, you've already got a shaky defense. You bring in Zadorov. he's not really improving things, right? Maybe, Maybe. he's a notch better than Olimata. Maybe they're comparable. Okay, fine. Uh, but you lose Slater Cuckoo, who is developing pretty well. I... <laughs> i don't know i just i've said it over and over again i think we're, we're getting to the point where we're getting redundant but um i don't know just uh, hopefully within the next few weeks or months it starts to make make a little more sense
0: <laughs> we thought it would start to make sense with the start of free agency and yet here we are
1: here we are well you know what would make me feel better right now james a big old dripping poor boy from our friends at mariska's and crest hill 604 theater street family owned and operated since 1933 and with the madhouse podcast since day one we love the zadralovich family we thank them for their continued support uh, of the podcast but go out there support them they've got the dining room open check the website marishkas.com just to make sure you're showing up at the right time and because and, and, I know every every business on earth has different pandemic hours, but the dining room's open if you're if you're comfortable dining in. If not, the takeout is always an option. But try the poor boy, try that twice baked potato, try that Yodel burger. You will go back to Marishka's again and again. Again, 604 Theater Street in Crest Hill, Marishkas.com or Facebook.com slash Marishkas. James, I think we have gotten to pretty much everything there is to get to and more on this episode of the Madhouse podcast anything you want to say before we wrap things up
0: we're going to keep doing this darn podcast and we're <laughs> going to keep loving Blackhawks hockey no matter what happens like i i want people to know that this is not just going to be a weekly complaint fest we're no. not just going to sit here and you know whine about you know direction of the team and all that stuff like i do i felt like today's episode was kind of a downer but frankly the Events of the last week have been kind of like a downer. You and I both really liked Corey Crawford. We both really like Brandon Sod. This is clearly a time of change for the Blackhawks. And while we're not overly enthusiastic about the direction of this team right now, that could literally all change with any of these moves. We could get a clearer image of where the Blackhawks are going. They could get a player that we're excited about. There are young guys in this system we are excited about. There is going to be positive stuff to talk about, even in the throes of suckiness that we've seen at times during the past couple of years. I know you and I have tried our best to go and find those types of things and to talk about those types of things. So I assure you guys, if you think we're being overly critical, if you think we're whining too much, if any of those things, I assure you things will be different on the next show because, you know, at the end of the day, like, yes, we're observers. Yes, we get paid to write and talk about hockey at our various jobs, but at the end of the day, we're fans too. And we're going to try to look for the positive and the good in things and I think I'm going to try to, you know, bring a little bit more into that of that into what we're doing here and I hope that our, you know, listeners stick with us, give us their feedback and let's all ride this crazy train together, guys. Yeah. That's what we always say and let's just continue to do it.
1: Well, I think what's what what has given us the success we've had, James, over our what we're entering our 6th season here, I believe. Is that right?
0: Yeah. That is correct. Um
1: is our that we are positive we're not just guys that are going to rip things apart but when honesty is needed it's given and i think had we come into this podcast and been like well maybe maybe you know i don't know things look they could be pretty good that's not true that's not a good feeling right now and i think most blackhawks fans are feeling like we are where they're frustrated and confused i am open-minded i show me show me what the plan is and i'll i'll jump on board if i like it but um as of today just don't feel great and look james is right we're not going to spend the next three months or whatever it is just whining about sam bowman and the plan we've got to analyze this thing correctly and uh you know next week we'll probably do a bit of a draft wrap up we will um talk about some of the positives of some of the new blackhawks maybe we'll talk to some friends from other markets and see what they have to say about this thing but um this is it going forward Uh, We're always optimistic, but we're always honest, and that's what you can expect from James Naveau and myself here on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. So with that, we're going to wrap things up. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening as always. Thanks for your continued support. Remember to check out our Patreon site, patreon.com slash madhousepod. If you'd like to help the podcast out monetarily, our merch shop will be launching shortly. And if you'd like to order an advanced signed copy of my book, The Big 50, the men and moments that made the Chicago Blackhawks, head to bit.ly slash Zawaski book. If that's too long and confusing, go to any of our social media pages, check out the link tree in our bio, and there is a direct link to buy the book through me. I shipped out about 30 today, James, the mailbox, I put them in down the street overflowing. Not good. I hope that's okay. I hope I don't get arrested, but the books are in the mail. If you want one of your own, visit the link in our bios. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by
0: Triple Threat Sports, Mariska's and Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch, and by Fry the Coop.
1: So we're sitting here with Bruce Springsteen. It's good to see you, my friend. It's good to
0: see you also. We come from such different places. It turns out there's a lot of overlap. Renegades, born in the USA. A new Spotify original podcast from higher ground. Listen free only on Spotify. With Metro by T-Mobile, your hard-earned money goes further.